Welcome to the pen and the yad. The Torah portion this week is Korach, when do we challenge authority? Did Karach have the right to challenge Moses? Did LeBron James destroy the Lakers? We all have the right and responsibility to challenge questionable leadership, but what happens when our personal desires become more important than the communities? When does leadership cross the line into demagoguery? Rabbi Siegel and Jonathan Eig discuss this week's Torah portion and the meaning of low voter turnout, among other things. Today we're going to talk about the revolution of Korach. It follows directly after last week's portion of Shlach Lecha. And in Shlach Lecha, the people are sent into the desert for an entire generation, another 38 years. And Korach, in a sense, is the aftermath of that. The people are now dealing with the reality of their punishment. They're angry, they're afraid, they're frustrated. And in the midst of all of this, Korach rises up. And Korach is on the same level in society as Moses. He's a Levite. So he can talk to Moses directly, right? And what does he say? Moses, you've gone too far. For all the community are holy, all of them. And the Lord is in their midst. Why then do you raise yourself above the Lord's congregation? It's a good question. Why should Moses be the leader? But it's a question that people already know the answer to. Underlying this is the idea that the people are still unwilling to take responsibility. Rather than say it was a failure on the part of the people, the real failure, they're saying, is with the leadership. Reminds me of baseball managers, you know, when the team has a bad year, suddenly you get a new manager. Yeah, well, like, uh, you know, LeBron James, if we switch it to basketball, um, you know, people have said he's, he's, he's been the coach and the GM of, of every team he's been on because he calls the shots. He decides who is going to be hired and fired. His own boss, he can fire his boss. Um, but, you know, in, the, in Moses' case, was he, did he really put himself, did Moses put himself above the others, or was he, was he chosen? You know, did God put him above others? I think that's... Um... Well, people see, you know, when people are afraid, and they're very afraid here, when the world has literally shifted under their feet, they followed Moses out of Egypt, and everything was going pretty well, and suddenly the plan has changed, and it's going to be their children that have gone into the land. That's a change that shatters their own self-understanding. And when that happens, nations often look to the person who has the simplest, clearest story and have a clear enemy. And that's an old story. But people are, are really driven by that. And so in the end, Korach is understood as a demagogue. And the danger of that is very real. Throughout history... People have allowed themselves or chosen to follow leaders who offered them simple answers, clear enemies, and have been driven to their own ruin as a result. Well, yeah, that's been a part of politics and culture in every society of Moses' time until ours. So I guess the question is, what do you do when you have 
a challenge to leadership? Should we not challenge authority? I think, you know, un, what is it? The, uh, what's the, the saying goes, un, unquestioned authority leads to questionable authority, right? Um, I think I got that slightly off, but you know what I mean. Um, where do we draw the line between challenging our elected leaders and showing loyalty to our country? What I think the Torah's doing, and by the way, there'll be little doubt left as to who is right in this conversation, who is wrong, since the ground is going to open up and swallow Korach and all of his followers. <laughs> yeah, we don't usually get that kind of clear-cut results. <laughs> right. So before cable news. Uh, right. right. Now, the, yeah, on Fox, everything's still pretty clear-cut. Yeah. They do a good job of opening I think up on MSNBC, yeah. it's also pretty clear-cut yeah, as well. So I think we have a tendency to talk about good guys and bad guys. And so I think that speaks to it. And I think if those cable news networks could make the ground open up under certain people, they would certainly press that button and feel perfectly justified. But when do people think about their own role? in a moment in time. How did we get here? You know, someone once said, people get the leaders they deserve. Instead of saying, who created these problems? Coming back to your question, am I willing to look in the mirror and see how I may have, or we as a people, may have contributed to our own situation when it's so much easier? to point the finger at somebody else. Right. I think we have to acknowledge that, that we are all responsible for the conditions that, that give us any leader. You know, democracy doesn't happen by accident, and these, these aren't flukes. So then the question is, what can we do about it? How can we be engaged so that we don't have to wait for the earth to open up, so that we can have the kind of leaders that we deserve and that serve us in, in ways that are without demagoguery? Well, look, as Americans, we live in a participatory democracy. The democracy only works when we participate. If we cede our responsibilities to our leaders and let them figure it out, then, well, we suffer the consequences of that. When we are involved and paying attention, that's when things happen. And I, I think that we are living at a time, as divided as we are as a people, I think that we are also more attuned to the political landscape than we have been for a long time. People are really paying attention. They're paying attention to candidates. They're paying attention to their platforms. They're asking hard questions. And whether or not you are, you want to be involved in the uh, new green plan or not, people are being forced to have conversations, to think about things. And people are being shaken to take a position. Yeah, I think that's true. At the same time, um, participation in elections is is terribly low. We're seeing low low voter turnout. Um, in the, this recent mayoral election is an example of that. Um, you know, wide open field, 18, 19 candidates, and it didn't take a whole lot of votes to win. It was a really interesting study in democracy, and to, and to see you know a whole city's leadership chosen by such a small group of people is concerning. It is concerning, and. Hopefully, uh, Mayor Lightfoot is going to take us in a good direction, but I think you're right. A lot of people sat home that day and didn't bother going to the polls. It was it because they didn't care enough for what? We may actually look back and say, well, we're going we're gonna to have to suffer the consequences. Right, and, and certainly we hope that she's a great success, but given the problems this city has, enormous problems with crime, with finances, um, you'd think that would see enormous turnout for an election. So the question is, Will people ultimately rally one way or another? Or are they going to try and phone it in? That, that's a larger question. 
But if this is the way that people respond, and by the way, in a world where politics has become entertainment, with all due respect to the two candidates, these may have been the two least entertaining <laughs> of the candidates. That's true. Serious people, yeah. accomplished people, thoughtful people, people who have real platforms, but nothing entertaining about Tony Preckwinkle, no, nothing entertaining about Lori Lightfoot, that right? That's true. And is that part of it? Do we simply expect a spectacle out there, somebody who's going to rally the people and kind of entertain us? That's, a, that's an interesting question because clearly we're seeing that on the national political level. That's right. And um, you know, so far in the, in the Democratic primary that we're shaping up, we have career politicians for the most part. We don't have uh, you know, Oprah yet. Um, other entertainers have threatened to run, and that would suggest that it does become more of a spectacle and become you know, more of a sport and an entertainment process. Right. But I think that you don't have to be Oprah to use social media. So you can be a celebrity on social media if you know how to use it correctly. And we're seeing that in some of the more progressive leaders now that are rising up and in their use of social media. But this us against them, this flirtation with the basic principles of demagoguery should make every American nervous. When people give you simple answers to difficult questions, that's a, that should be cause for concern. When it's always someone else's fault, when we're always feeling victimized, then we should sort of open our eyes a little bit and say, wait a minute, how did we get here? That's the pro this is the portion that speaks, I think, most directly to this issue. Yeah, and in this case, we had to wait for the earthquake to swallow up Karak. Um, as much as I don't enjoy quoting Voltaire because he was an abject anti-Semite, he did say a lot of really thoughtful things. And one thing he once said is that complicated thing, or he said simple things rather, are either or. Complicated things are either and or. And that is the message that was missed by the people of Israel. And we would do well not to miss it in our age. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you.